Today we're going to be talking about expectation. And I think that the, the, this message was probably inspired in my heart because uh, this past year we had two daughter-in-laws. We only have two daughter-in-laws. And both of them were expecting at the same time. And as a result of that, we have two new granddaughters that have recently been born. And so, you know... Um, I personally, I, am, I always loved being a mom, and I know there's many moms here that are at our different stages and phases in being a mother. In motherhood, some of you may be the mom of, a, of an infant or a toddler or a child or a teenager, God help you. <laughs> For some of you are in the stage that Pastor Mark and I are in. Your children are now adults. They're out of the house. Praise the Lord. And the best thing about that stage of your children growing up and getting, and getting married is they give you grandchildren. Woohoo! How many grandparents do we have? Isn't it awesome? There's a reason they call it grand, because it's just totally grand. To have grandbabies. Actually, the title of my message today is, What Are You Expecting? Do you remember that kind of excitement and enthusiasm and expectation about an event in your life? Perhaps when you were getting ready to graduate from high school or graduate from college or maybe on your wedding day. Hopefully you're still excited about that day. Or perhaps the birth of a child or a grandchild or many of you in here, maybe you're not parents but you're an auntie or you're an uncle and you remember how exciting those life-changing events are. As believers, it's important for us to keep that excitement and that expectation and that enthusiasm in our life because God's got good things in store for His children. When we serve the Lord, it gets gooder and gooder and gooder. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. It doesn't get badder and badder and worse and worse. Now listen to these definitions, and I believe they'll bless you. Expect literally means this, to look forward to with excitement. It also means to anticipate. And anticipation means this, to look forward to as a certain, with a certain pleasurable expectation. It's also designed as a visualization of a future event. Now, if our expectation is going to be accurate and our vision clear, it must come from Him. It must come from our Creator, our Heavenly Father. Do you know that you are created in the likeness 
and in the image of God. And the Bible tells us in Psalms 139 that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. He knows everything about everything. And he knows everything about you and I. He put those desires that you have on the inside of you. He gave you those gifts, those talents, and those abilities. And he knows exactly what needs to happen in your life. He has your future in the very palm of his hand. Hallelujah. So we need to look for him if we're going to have the right kind of expectation about our future. It's got to come from our eyes being on him. Let me look at let us look together at some passages today from the word of God. Psalms 27 verse 14. We want to read this out of the amplified version. Psalms 27 verse 14. Wait and hope for and expect what? Expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. Wait and hope and expect what? Expect the Lord. And during that time when we are waiting, when we are looking, when we are expecting something to happen, something good. How many of you are believing God for something? When you are believing for a manifestation, whether it's a healing, a financial breakthrough, the salvation of a loved one, this gives us a clue right here. When we are in that season of waiting, how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to be brave and we're supposed to be of good courage and let our heart be stout and enduring. Pastor read it in the first service that in due season you will reap if you faint not. And oftentimes, not often, always, due season is longer than we wanted it to be. But what are we supposed to do in that waiting period? When we're in that waiting room, we're not to get discouraged. We are to have good courage. We are to have our hope and our expectation that our God is the God of the breakthrough. That our God is the one that said it shall all come to pass. And we hold fast to that. Amen? What does it mean to wait? It says here to wait. It means to look for. You know, maybe you have had a relative that said, you know, I'm going to come and visit you. And maybe when you were a kid, how many of you had grandparents that used to come and visit? Well, we grew up in the, I grew up in the farm in the rural Oklahoma, out seven miles outside of town, dirt roads. And it was a big deal when our grandparents came from Bakersfield, California, to visit us. They were some of those Okies, which maybe some of you have relatives too. I've talked to a lot of people. Oh, yeah, so-and-so, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, were from Oklahoma. Thank God for the Okies. I think they settled California, at least that part. During the Dust Bowl days, they all migrated to that part of California. And so they would come. It's a big deal for them to come and visit us. It was way back before cell phones. Way, you know, way, way, way back. We had a phone in our house, but it didn't even work half of the time. So anyway, we didn't know the exact day or hour when they would come. They said, we're going to come on a certain day. So as kids, we waited. We'd look out the window every time a car would drive by. And you know what? That was even a big deal to have a car, any car. 
drive by. We didn't have phones, but we had Sarge. He was our dog. And a car could be a mile away when he started barking. Whoa, somebody's going to drive by. Let's see who it is. It was a big deal. It was a really big deal when we knew that our grandparents were coming that day. And now things have changed. We is the grandparents. And it's a big deal. It's going to be a big deal for Eden and Lucy, but it already is a big deal for Livy when the grandparents come to visit. And one thing that I have learned, we usually fly down to Southern California and they're picking us up. I was just there for Lucy's birth and Lindy and, and Livy came to pick me up at the airport. Livy had the window rolled down and she's going, Grandma! When I was standing outside on the curb. And then as soon as I get in the car, she gives me a hug and a kiss. And her next question is, what did you bring me? She's got hope, favorable, confident expectation that Grammy never shows up empty-handed. If we can have that kind of waiting and hoping and expectation about Grammy coming to visit, how much more? God's going to show up and show out in your life. And I can promise you, he ain't going to show up empty-handed. Woo! He's got blessings. He's got answers to prayer. Whatever you are believing him for. He's the God of the breakthrough. He's the God of the suddenlies. Some of you are about to get a suddenly. You've been standing. You've been in God's waiting room. You've been strong. You've been courageous. And guess what? You're going to reap. You're going to receive the desired end result. That's what happens when our expectancy is on Him. Oftentimes people get disappointed in life because their hope, their faith, their trust is misplaced. It might be on, in another person. It might be in me getting this job or whatever. It might be in this certain thing that we're believing God for. And when it doesn't happen, people get disappointed. But guess what? Even if things haven't turned out like you wanted them to, even if you have made mistakes, anybody in here not ever made a mistake, even if you have failed, maybe your kids haven't lived up to your expectation, but guess what? If they have failed, if you have failed, it doesn't make them and it doesn't make you a failure. Anytime failing shows up, just fail forward. And God is able to turn it around. He is a master at fixing any disaster. And He will restore. And He will make better than before. Hallelujah. We are not defined by our performance. Too many people get caught up into a works program. We are not saved by works. We're saved by grace. By grace. Through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Of course we serve the Lord. Of course we want to work in His kingdom. But motivated because we love Him. Not because we have to earn His acceptance. Not because we have to earn our salvation. Christianity is not based on performance. It's based on a relationship. Hallelujah. We're expecting good to show up. Don't allow somebody's words or labels 
that they've tried to put on you or put on your kids define you. Some of you may have heard things like this from an authority figure. Oh, you're stupid. You're not very bright. You will never amount to much. Let me give you some real facts about people that heard those kind of truths. Those, not truths, those lies when they were growing up. Anybody ever heard of Einstein? I don't know that much about Einstein other than he had wild hair and that he was super duper smart. He invented the law of relativity, whatever that is, I think. But listen to this that somebody said about him. Einstein. Did you know that Einstein's teacher once described him as being mentally slow? The case was probably he was such a different kind of a learner and he was labeled mentally slow. You know, society tries to do that today. Not everybody learns the same way. And if they don't fit into a little mold, then they try to say they're not normal. Einstein wasn't normal. He was a genius. How about Beethoven? Pastor Tom could tell you more about Beethoven, but I know in my limited career of taking piano lessons, I tried to play a few of his pieces. didn't turn out so well, but I know he was a talented guy. Listen to this. Beethoven's, one of Beethoven's music teachers once said, as a composer, he's hopeless. How embarrassing. I wouldn't have wanted to be that teacher after he wrote all of these things that he wrote. This was probably my favorite. A newspaper editor once fired Walt Disney and said, because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Oops, oops, oops. All of these deserve an oops. The labels weren't right. No matter what others may have said about us, that's not what charts the course of our lives. It's what we say about us. And more importantly, it's what God has said about us. If you want to repeat something that somebody has said about you, then repeat what God has said about you. He's not a man that he should lie. It's not a rumor that you are healed, whole, blessed, happy, full of peace. That's what God has said about you. Whose report will you believe about yourself, about your kids? Are you going to believe some ungodly teacher, some confused counselor, or some messed up boss? I choose to believe what God has said about me. His word is a final authority in my life. Let me just say some of the things that God has said about you. And so you may boldly declare, I am his workmanship. Everybody say that. I'm his workmanship. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm raised up. I'm made to sit together with Him in heavenly places. I'm the head. 
I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. This has got to be one of my favorites. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How about this one? I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. He always causes me to triumph. Now let's lift our hands and say hallelujah. That's what I'm going to say about myself. That's what I'm going to say about my children, about my grandchildren. Did you know this? All that heaven has to offer is at your disposal. We have an unlimited supply. Unlimited supply of what? Health, wealth, wisdom, joy, love, peace. Our attitude ought to be this. I'm blessed. How about this one? I'm so blessed, the blessed people call me blessed. Woo-hoo-hoo. That's how blessed you are. I'm so blessed, the blessed people call me blessed. How can you say that, Pastor Brenda? I can say that not based on me, but based on him. Based on what he has said is mine. That's where we get our expectancies are from His Word, His great and precious promises. As a matter of fact, let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's just look at this for a moment. God's word and his promises are precious. Can I get a witness? Has he ever spoken something to your heart, given you a word about your life, a promise about your kids, something that you can hold on to? And it does not matter what it looks like in the natural. When you've got a word from God, you can stand on the promise. Standing on the promises. I shall not fail. Though the howling winds of fear and doubt assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises. Of God. And these promises, they are precious. These promises will hold you steady in a dark season of your life. I am not just a preaching. Pastor said we've been married almost 38 years. And during that period of time, it hasn't all been roses. Thank God our marriage is strong and we love one another more than ever. But we have faced challenges in our home, mostly surrounding our youngest son. And that picture today, you don't know how happy that makes me. And Pastor Nancy showed me a text earlier that Esther, his wife, had texted about how proud she was of James. He was been such an excellent father. Woo! To God be the glory. 
Because I want to tell you, there were nights, there were many nights when Pastor and I had to stand on the precious Word of God. I would literally, and I love to do this sometimes. You know, I'm glad I got an iPad, iPhone, I whatever, but I love leather Bibles. Mmm, they even smell good. And there are sometimes, just take that word, hold it close to my heart. I felt like Mary oftentimes when we went through things with our children, particularly with James. You know, the angel said, she said to the angel, how shall these things be? He said, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Then Jesus began to speak to her about the call on his life. And it said she took those words. She held them. She pondered it. She held it close in her heart. If your child, your teenager, your young adult son or daughter, if right now it doesn't look good, if it looks like they've decided to be demon child, don't be moved by that. Demon child. The Word of God is more powerful than any pool of the devil, any force of darkness. The Bible, the Word of God, is called light. Light of the glorious gospel will shine into any dark situation and bring change. The Word of God promises, God promises, my Word will not return unto me void. That verse that we just read in Second Peter, it says that these promises, they're precious. And they are exceedingly great. There's power in the Word. Power to change a life. How many of you have been changed by the power of the Word of God? <laughs> There's power when God spoke the Word. But there is tremendous power released when we... Speak the word. Don't underestimate the power of faith-filled words. The Bible says faith-filled words dominate. They have dominion over. They're greater. They're more powerful than the law of sin and death. Some of your kids, it may seem like a, a spirit of death is trying to hound them. They're getting in accidents and all this crazy stuff is happening to them and they're hanging out with wrong people. But I declare under the unction of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of life, the power of God, faith-filled words will dominate the law of sin and death. You can break that assignment against their life. I know that they have a will but the word of God is stronger you can't will change in their life but you can speak the word and the word of God will get a hold of their hearts turn their lives around can I get a witness thank God for faith filled words thank God that our expectancy is not in man, not in what we can do, but in Him, the God with whom all things are possible. Nothing shall be impossible 
to him that believeth. Do we have any believers in here? That means with you and with God and you putting your faith, your trust and confidence in him, nothing shall be impossible. It might look impossible right now, but he is the God that specializes in turning things that look impossible around. Hallelujah! Makes my heart happy. I know it does yours too. Now, another component when we are expecting God to do great things in our life is hope. God's promises bring hope. Of course, we talk about faith, but we must have hope. Without hope, you really can't release your faith. Psalms 130 verse 5 in the Amplified says this. I wait for the Lord. I expectantly, there it is again. What's our theme? What are you expecting? I expectantly wait. And in his word, I do hope. What's a simple definition of hope? Confident, favorable, expectation. When we have our hope in God, we ought to have our necks outstretched. Just looking. What's he going to do next? How's he going to bless me now? What kind of surprise is going to show up? A good surprise in my life today because I've got a confident, favorable expectation. I'm expected. Something good to happen to me today. Anybody in here expected something good to happen? Because he's the God of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. Hope will also cause us to face our future in faith and not in fear. You know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you've lost your hope that things will ever turn around, if you've lost your hope that that loved one can ever be saved, then this sinking feeling just comes over you. It's just like, ah, you can't see your way out of that situation. The opposite of faith is fear. The opposite of hope is really dread. Just dreading that the worst thing is going to happen. Just dreading that you're going to get this call in the middle of the night that something had happened to one of your family members. That's not living in hope and in in expectation. It's living in dread. Dreading the worst is going to happen. But that's not you and me, is it? We're not living there. Jeremiah chapter 31. I found this scripture this week. You know, the, the word is precious. The word always produces life. When I saw this scripture this week, I was just reading through the Bible and it just popped out at me. And I know it's for somebody here today. Jeremiah 31. We're going to look at verse 16 and 17 in the Amplified. Thus says the Lord, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. We're going to stop right there for a minute. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. 
for your work shall be rewarded. What kind of work is this talking about? It's talking about the work of standing on the Word of God, acting on the Bible, releasing your faith. There is a reward when we will stand in faith and believe God. There's a time, you know, for you to weep and all of that stuff. But this is giving us a picture of somebody that is weeping and their tears of fear. Tears of fear and of dread. Staying up all night worried. Staying up all night crying. Oh, I know something terrible is going to happen. Oh, I know they're going to be killed. I know this. I know that. That's not the kind of tears we want to be shedding. There's tears of joy. There's a weeping of, Woo! Thank you, Lord. I know your word is true. Not these kind of tears. No more tears of fear. Why? Because faith acts on the Word of God. Faith is not full of worry. And when we stand in faith, it brings a reward and a desired end result. This is what happens when you stand in faith, when you act on the Word. The rest of that passage of Scripture. And your children shall return from the enemy's land. Woo-hoo-hoo! They may be hanging with the wrong crowd. They might be out in the devil's territory, but not for long. Because we're going to be doers of the word. We're going to act in faith. We're going to speak faith-filled words that dominate the law of sin and death. And our children are going to return from the enemy's land. Now the next verse is even more powerful. Verse 17. And there is hope. For your future, says the Lord. Your children shall come back to their own country. Do you receive that? That is a word in here today for several of you. Just get this deep on the inside of you. There is hope for my future. There is hope for my children's future. Even if they're not living right right now. Even if they are in the enemy's land, I'm declaring it that my children shall come back to God. They shall return to the way that I raised them. And if you weren't a Christian when they were little, do not despair. You can right now begin to say, I am their mother and my seed is blessed. My seed is mighty upon the earth. Me and my household shall be saved. I'm not going to receive any condemnation about the things I did or I didn't do. Today is a new day and my faith is released and I am declaring my seed is mighty upon the earth. Me and my household are saved and will serve the Lord with joy and gladness. Hallelujah. God's got a will. God's got a plan for my life and for their life and His will, His plan, His purpose is what will stand. Keep hope stirred up on the inside of you. Resist the opportunity 
to be in fear and to be moved by what you might see going on in anybody's life that you're connected with, a relative, a friend. Don't get in fear. Stay in faith. There's so much out there that's negative about the world today and about the future that we could be concerned about and we could get in worry about. But this is going to be our attitude about the future. Proverbs 31. It's probably been read over the nation many times today. Proverbs 31 is a chapter known as the virtuous woman chapter. And it gives all the characteristics of a godly woman. And I am looking at a room full of godly women and godly men today. And I don't care if you read this chapter and say, well, you know, wow, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. Do you love God? Are you hungry for his word? Are you pressing into him? Are you speaking life over your family? Well, there you got it. You're a virtuous woman. Of course, we're not going to live up to all of this stuff. So don't get in condemnation about that. But this one verse I want you to look at today because we're talking about hope and we're talking about a glorious future. Proverbs 31, verse 25, in the New American Standard. Strength and dignity are her clothing. We could just stop right there, but we won't. Strength and dignity. Have some dignity about how you carry yourself. About what kind of clothing and garments you're putting on, you know? Our spiritual father, Brother Hagin, he used to say this about women's dress. Because, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. There was a lot of preaching on women's dress. And he, somebody said, aren't you going to dress how, how women are dressing? And he said, no, I barely know how to dress myself. So I'm not here doing a clothesline preaching message. But I will say this. And I, this is something else he said. Wear enough to cover the subject. Enough said. That's having some dignity. Don't let everything hang out all over the place. And that's all we'll say about that. But not a blessing to anyone, honestly. Hallelujah. Have some dignity, virtuous women of God. But this is what I want you to see. That was just a little side thought. And she smiles at the future. Get back in the spirit now. And she smiles at the future. Practice. Turn to somebody next to you and just smile. And she smiles at the future. Turn to somebody and smile. Y'all didn't participate. And she smiles at the future. One more time. And she smiles at the future. Have you ever noticed what a difference a smile can make? A smile sometimes is worth a thousand words. You came through these doors today, and I can guarantee you we had some greeters back there that weren't, what are you doing here? You want a bulletin? Is this your first time? No. Our greeters have smiles on their face. A smile expresses, we're glad to see you. We're glad you're here. A smile also says, I ain't worried about nothing. A smile says, you know, I'm pretty happy today. Some people, they just don't even know how to smile. 
A smile represents what's going on on the inside. A smile can say, I'm at peace. I'm full of joy. I'm hoping in the Lord my God. My future is bright. And that's what it is saying about this virtuous woman. She smiles at the future. How can she do that? Doesn't she know how evil the world is? Doesn't she know there's corruption in every arena? Doesn't she know how terrible the financial forecast is? Doesn't she have any idea how much it's going to cost her for her kids to go to college? She needs to be worried about that. She needs to be concerned about how she's going to raise these kids. She needs to be concerned that this is going to happen and that's going to happen. No. She smiles at the future. Try it one more time. This time, smile at me. I could use some friendly faces. (laughs) She smiles at the future because it's bright. Hallelujah. Because she's got her hope and her expectation not in the forecast of the future from the talking heads on TV, but she's got her hope in who holds the future. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he's got you in the palm of his hand? Aren't you thankful? He who holds the future is holding you. He upholds all things by the word of God and by his why? Word of God and His power. Yeah, He's got Word. He's got power to hold it up. And He's holding your future. Let's look at a couple more scriptures about hope here. Proverbs twenty three eighteen. For surely there is a latter end and a future and a reward. And your hope and your expectation shall not be cut off. Can I get a hallelujah? We've got a future. We've got a glorious end. And it's not going to be cut off. Now listen to that same passage out of the message. That's where your future lies. Then you won't be left with an armload of nothing. With an armload of nothing. Guess what the Bible says about a faithful man and a faithful woman? Is that you? A faithful man and a faithful woman shall abound with blessings, shall abound with health, abound with prosperity, abound with their household being saved. It shall all be Like it was told me. It shall come to pass. God is on my side. And in his word, I do abide. Hallelujah. I've got confident, favorable expectation that things are turning around for me. That my future is so bright. If I had had sunglasses, I'd put them on. My future is so bright, i got to wear shades. The sun, the S-O-N is shining on my way. Just like the S-U-N shines on a bright, sunny day. Hallelujah! Right. 
Wonderful. That's what he has in stores for us. Not armloads of nothing. Now you want to hear a real good scripture we're fixing to close here? Psalms 126, verse 1 through 6 in the message. I love this. It seemed like a dream too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exile, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. Can you smile again? Happy people, smile! Happy people, smile at the future. Woohoo! And now, God, do it again. Bring rain to our drought-stricken lives. So those who planted crops in despair will shout hurrah at the harvest. So, th- so those who went off with heavy hearts. Some of you may have come in here today with heavy hearts. You could be in a season where you have planted and it seems like nothing is good is happening. But I have a word for you. It's time to shout hurrah at the harvest. We're expecting harvest time to be here so those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with what not armloads of nothing armloads of blessings do you receive the word of god today everybody stand to your feet